0: What's up, my friends? Jason Emin is with you as always. So glad to be with you here on Stand Strong in the Word podcast as we dive into the life and teaching of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, whatever has been going on in your life, whatever's happening maybe in a relationship or at church or on the job or in school, I just want you to know that God is with you. Oftentimes when I travel and I engage a lot of Christians, there is a huge level of discouragement and sadly depression. I'm currently working on a new project called Challenging Conversations with Baker and Summit Ministries. And one of the things in my research that I'm finding is how overwhelmed, how distressed and filled with anxiety many people in the church are. And we need to take comfort, my friends. We need to take comfort in the scriptures as Romans 15 verse 4 Many of the things that we have recorded for us in Scripture are there to comfort us. And 2 Corinthians chapter 1 reminds us in verses 3 and 4 that as God comforts us when we are in need, when we are struggling, that with that same kind of comfort that He gives us, that we can comfort others. So whatever's going on, just take this time as we now look into Wednesday of the Passion Week and encounter Jesus, perhaps you have been a Christian for many years and you have attempted to try to study the Bible for all it's worth, but you feel like you've failed, that you kind of stop and then you quit and it kind of fizzles out and you've lacked the passion and the drive. Or you have a learning disability like I do and through the years it's been difficult for you to engage material. But I'm telling you as a testimony of someone who has struggled just like you, you can overcome it, give it to the Lord, open the Bible and just let God's word speak to you and surround yourself as I've had to do through the years with people who've challenged me or diving into books to learn certain techniques about learning. But whatever it is, don't let any type of barrier or obstacle to prevent you from growing in your knowledge of scripture, my friends. Because we know as a Christian, without God's word, you and I, we essentially can't grow in our faith. So my prayer, as it is every time we come to this podcast and we record, is that you not only learn the the word of God, but that you apply it, that you fall more in love with God's word. That is so important. So if you've missed any previous podcast, make sure that you take time. You go to StandStrongMinistries.org, click on podcast. Our archives are there for you. And so we'd greatly appreciate while you're there on our website, that if you have any prayer requests, if you maybe have a question in the scriptures, you can email us at info at StandStrongMinistries.org. And while you're on our website, if you want to give to support the ongoing work we're doing, you can click on the donate button. We would greatly appreciate that because without your support, without your prayers, we are not able to do the speaking, to do the writing of the books and to record and produce this podcast without your financial support. So just prayerfully consider about that. If this has been a blessing for however long we've been producing this podcast, I think for the last two plus years, that would mean a lot if you would invest so that we can continue to do quality podcasts and teachings and writings to reach the next generation with the gospel of jesus christ so this is podcast 95 and we're looking at wednesday of the passion week now if you have been following along you know that took us five different episodes to really tackle uh the the busyness of jesus on tuesday so i'm looking forward now to diving into wednesday of passion week where we see immediately when you look in the chronological order This is now found in Matthew chapter 26, verses 1 through 5, Mark 14, verses 1 and 2, and Luke chapter 22, verses 1 and 2. And here we see that Jesus predicts his death, and the Sanhedrin, once again, no surprise here, they plot to kill Jesus. So, what I'm going to do is, I'm going to take The main portion of Matthew chapter 26, because it gives a little bit more detail. And so we see here in verse 1 of Matthew 26, when Jesus had finished all these things, he said to his disciples, You know that after two days, the Passover is coming, and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. Okay, so after Jesus wraps up all of his teachings, remember, if you go back to Matthew chapter 23, to chapter 25. And remember, we just ended our previous podcast at the end of chapter 25. Jesus was talking about judgment to come. We looked at the difference between the sheep and the goats. What does Jesus actually mean there? And it's all about imminency. It's all about preparation, being ready for his return. Now, in some cases we see in eschatology where Jesus briefly mentions what is referred to as the rapture. So currently right now, and this is my interpretation of end-time prophecy, is known as premillennialism or the pre-trib. Those are two different things. And in one sense that the rapture will occur before the tribulation period, and then Christ will come again, this is premillennialism, before he sets up his kingdom here on earth for a thousand years, which is known as the millennial kingdom. And so when you're looking at certain passive scriptures, sometimes people lump the thing together and they, I believe, misinterpret some of the passages there. Because again, as we're going through a sequential order, a chronological order of Jesus's life throughout the gospels, when he does teach, sometimes they're all over the map in a sense, not in terms of what he's teaching in substance, but the way in which it's written after the fact. And that's the case with the gospels. You know, they're not in order. So we have to kind of figure that out and make sense of it. But also in Jesus's teaching, sometimes he's jumping around. But when you take them apart and you align them with other passages like Daniel chapter nine, when you look at things in Jeremiah and Ezekiel, in particular, we have the letter uh, to the churches, the book of Revelation that is, and we're able to piece it together we make better sense of what Jesus was teaching. So that's very important. So that's what he was just wrapping up when he was walking out of the temple yesterday, that's Tuesday, going to the Mount of Olives. And that's why it's called the Olivet Discourse in Matthew chapter 24 and 25. So here he announces again that he's going to be arrested. He's going to be crucified. Now notice here, it says, you know that after two days, the Passover is coming. So I like this because again, when we're doing the chronological order, it puts things in perspective in the right order. This was the first feast or holiday that commemorated God's deliverance of the Hebrew people from the hands of Pharaoh. That's recorded in Exodus chapter 12, verses one through 30. So here, as Jesus is announcing that the Passover is coming, of course, he's gonna be crucified and on the third day, he's gonna rise again. This is pointing to the fact that Jesus, he is the Lamb of God. Remember John 1, 29. That's what John the Baptist said to the people. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. His name is Jesus, Yahshua, for he will take away the sins of the people in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. So the Lamb of God here, Jesus, is about to give up his life to atone for the sins of the world. Now, also you see here that he refers himself as the son of man will be delivered up to be crucified. Now, this is a... Title that Jesus oftentimes refers to, which I believe is a fulfillment, particularly when you go back to Daniel chapter 7. And in previous uh, podcasts, we covered that in Matthew chapter 12, verse 40, Matthew 16, verse 28, Matthew 19, verse 28, Matthew 20, verse 18, Matthew 24, verse 27, and also verse 30. So here we see it again here in Matthew chapter 26. So the Son of Man was a phrase, a title that Matthew records frequently that Jesus mentions throughout his ministry. So here in verse three, now it says, then at that time, the chief priests and the elders of the people gathered in the palace of the high priest, whose name was Caiaphas and plotted together in order to arrest Jesus by stealth and to kill him. The word stealth here means cunning or treachery, but they said not during the feast, lest least there be an uproar among the people. So the chief priests and the elders, they wanted to wait until the crowds died down before whisking Jesus away to kill him. So they were no longer interested in just trying to arrest him and get him out of the population. They wanted this man to be killed. So they plotted together, we're told here, this cunning, this treachery of them gathering together in the high priest of Caiaphas. Now, it's interesting because when you look at this scheming that's going on and you refer back to Psalm chapter 31, verse 13, listen to what the psalmist says, says, for I hear the whispering of many terror on every side as they scheme together against me as a plot to take my life. So the religious leaders have been plotting this for quite some time. If you go back to Matthew chapter 12, verse 14, it says, but the Pharisees went out and conspired against him, how to destroy him. Of course, up to this point, they have failed. They tried to arrest him over here. They tried to stone him over there and he got, he got away from it. And so during the feast time, the chief priests now, you can see they're very cautious. This is our shot, but we can't do it, at least a riot breakout because of all the support that Jesus has gained. So in all the attempts that they tried to get rid of Jesus, his popularity, his fame, more miracles they're, they're under more of his teachings. He's confronted more of them. And you remember just back in Matthew chapter 23, which was on Tuesday, and we're now looking at Wednesday, Jesus gave all of those woes and he just rebuked them in front of everybody. So these people, these priests, they are livid. And so that's why they gather with Caiaphas. And and, it, and it, the other thing that's interesting is when you look at the plotting and the scheming and the cunning I'm reminded of the words of John in chapter 3 in his gospel, verses 19 and 20, where it says, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil for everyone who does wicked things, hates the light and does not come to the light. lest least his works should be exposed End quote. That is clearly what is happening here. Notice that these priests, who are the ones offering sacrifices to atone for the sins of the people before God, are wicked, are in darkness and rejecting the Messiah, the Son of Man. Now, of course, because Caiaphas was the acting high priest, Matthew mentions him at the time in which this occurred because he was the high priest from AD 18 to 36. Now Josephus calls him Joseph Caiaphas. So he's not just recorded in the gospels, but he's also mentioned in extra biblical sources. Now we jump down to the next uh, event on Wednesday where now Judas Iscariot betrays Jesus. So as they're plotting and scheming, they they have their tentacles uh, around Jerusalem, engaging different people to try to scheme along with them. And the great thing for The Sanhedrin for these chief priests who've gathered with the high priest is they finally have gotten someone from the inside. And that's exactly what you want, right? You want somebody who is like the mole, someone who's feeding you information that has an intimate relationship with the person that you're trying to spy on. And here in Matthew chapter 26, 14 through 16, Mark 14, 10 through 11, and Luke chapter 22, 3 through 6, we see this betrayal. unfold before our very eyes. Look at Luke 22, verse three. Then Satan entered Judas or Judah called Iscariot, who was one of the number of the 12. Matthew 26, verse 14, at the very end of that verse says, he went to the chief priests and said, what will you give me if I deliver or betray him over to you? And they paid him 30 pieces of silver. So here we see that when Judas goes before the chief priests, We're told in Luke 22, verse 3, that Satan himself enters him. So if you notice how intricately involved Satan was in getting the religious leaders, including one of Jesus' own disciples, to execute this plot. Now, another thing that's interesting to point out is Judas Iscariot and the Antichrist, known also as the Son of Perdition, they're both called the Son of Perdition because they're the only two recorded in Scripture Who Satan himself possesses. So you see here in Luke chapter 22, verse 3, and then you see that in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3, and you see the accounts of that unfold in the end times, particularly in the tribulation period in Revelation chapter 13. Now, Caiaphas and the chief priests were certainly pleased to have Judas on their side at this point of the plot. Remember, because at this point they failed, but now they finally have someone from the inside. This, however, does imply though that Judas probably at some point in time as he was traveling with Jesus, that he started to interact with the chief priests and made some advances possibly with some of the temple leaders because notice as they gathered, he was able to get there. How did he know where they were gathering? How did he know who was there and what they were discussing? Now, when you piece this stuff together, and remember just the day before, Jesus openly rebuked. And so possibly there's a couple things when you look at the condition of Judas's heart at this point. Number one, this probably, this betrayal was motivated, if you go back to Mary's actions at Simon the leper's house that occurred a few days ago, go back to Matthew chapter 26, verses six through 13 where it can also be found in John chapter 12, verses four through six, where it says, but Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples who was about to betray him said, why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this, not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief and having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Now, the other thing to consider is Jesus openly rebuked in Matthew chapter 23, the religious leaders. And so they had enough. And probably in Judas's mind, he was cunning. He was a deceiver. He was very greedy. He he thought more of himself than he ought to have. This was his opportunity to end this because notice he says, hey, if I'm willing to give up Jesus, how much are you willing to pay me? So it says here that they gave him 30 pieces of silver. Now, this was valued at more than 120 days worth of wages. Now, this amount is based on the price of a slave. If you go back to Exodus 21, verse 32, in wages given to a faithful shepherd in Zechariah chapter 11, verses 12 through 13. And the prophet Zechariah also provides this uh, giving of 30 pieces of silver as a messianic prophecy of this evil transaction. So it's interesting that they gave him the price of a slave or a faithful shepherd. Now, Luke chapter 22, verse six, it says, so he consented and he sought an opportunity, literally just means he looked for a good time to betray Jesus in the absence of a crowd. And so this language was used by Luke, which indicates that Judas went along with Caiaphas' plan. And so at that point, he was gonna be used to lure Jesus in without a riot. And that's what they wanted. And Judas was going to deliver that to them. Now, some commentators do mention that Judas was still cautious about this plan and agreed with too to do it peacefully because of his love for Jesus. I don't know if I'd go that far about his love for Jesus, because at the end of the day, Judas cared more about himself than anybody. Now, Matthew chapter 26, verse 16 says, and from that moment, he sought an opportunity to betray him. So as Jesus prepared to give up his life for the sins of the world, Judas, on the other hand, was plotting to betray him because of his sin. And I cannot get enough of this. I'm sure you can't either, my friend, because that points to the grace of Jesus Christ. When he was betrayed, when he was being scourged, crucified, father, forgive them for they know not what they do. At the end of the day, because of the sin, because of the blindness, go back to John 3, 19 through 20, they were in darkness. They wanted to stay in their evil deeds. And yet, as we're told in Romans chapter 5, God demonstrates verse 8, his love towards us, that while we were still a sinner, we made no effort because we couldn't. We had no desire. There was no devotion, just a huge chasm between a holy God and a sinful man. And Jesus, despite even what Judas does here, he goes to the cross to die for the sins of the world. So I know this is actually a lot shorter than Tuesday, but when we jump into Thursday on our next podcast, there's a lot to cover there as well. And also on Friday. So I just pray, my friends, as you reflect on Wednesday of the Passion Week, a couple things as we end this podcast, number one, notice that Jesus predicted his death and resurrection because he is the son of man. He is God in the flesh. He came in a point in time of history, lived a sinless life, was crucified for your sins and my sins, and he atoned for our sins. And the imputation of Christ is placed on us, meaning the righteousness of God is placed on us that we are declared in right standing before God because of what Christ has done. He is our mediator. And as a Christian, every single day, we thank him for his sacrifice. And lastly, when you look at Judas, what comes to mind when you see his betrayal? Do you cringe? When you look at your life, what are things you're doing? Now, you're not literally betraying Jesus the way that he did. But there are a lot of times in our lives as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, that we say, we love you, Lord. And we sing songs on Sunday morning at church about giving our all to him, that I surrender, I surrender all. And yet when Jesus says, hey, go do this, go talk to that person, give that check to that person, you know, give money over here, leave your job to go do this, spend more time on your knees in prayer, that we kind of betray him. We, we betray that time. We betray uh, his holiness in our lives by living a disobedient or a life of, of of faithlessness. So whatever's going on in your life as I start this podcast, the key thing for all of us is to love Him more. My friends, every day as you wake up, spend time at His feet. I treasure that. All these years, I treasure my time with my Lord and Savior. And I just want you guys to know that as I pray and as we prepare this podcast and we put it together, we pray for our audience. We pray for the people like you who pray for us, who support us. We cannot be doing what we're doing if it wasn't for your prayers and for your financial support. So my friends, thank you for tuning in. I look forward to when we dive into Thursday of the Passion Week. And so until then, keep standing strong, my friends. For more information on Jason Jimenez and Stand Strong Ministries, visit us at standstrongministries.org. Thank you for listening and keep standing strong in the Word of God.